Happy hour Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m. OTB on site. Newcastle Casino, conveniently located off I-44 and exit 207. Okay, uh, I finally was able to get this to open up. Beggs won 48-28 after having lost 70-16 to in um, September. That's got to be one of the greatest turnarounds. 74-point hi- turnaround. Yeah, in the history of the world. Um, onside kicks and nonstop blitzing. That's what they did. So, so what's your game plan? Well, we're just going to onside kick um, all uh, every kickoff, and we're just going to blitz every single time. Mission so accomplished. That sounds like me and Madden. What, remember what I was saying last hour, that Madden doesn't work, it's not real life? Apparently not in the Class 2A state playoffs. Engage 8. Engage 8. <laughs> uh, I like the mid-blitz, Josh, because it brings – the uh, it brings your middle linebackers into that A and B gap and opens up your in. And when you have Max Crosby at 99, everything superstar, he literally gets to the quarterback before he drops back, even in all mad. That's mid-blitz. beautiful. But engage eight is good. The problem with engage eight is you got to have good safeties. Yes, I've spent way too many hours playing Madden in my life. All right, uh, we got to get heavy, we got to get serious here. Big story number five. Number five. Tragedy in Virginia involving three members of the University of Virginia football program have led to the cancellation of their game this Saturday against Coastal Carolina. Can't even fathom, can't even uh, imagine having to deal with this as a coach. Tony Elliott in his first season, they met with the media yesterday, did the Virginia administration, and here's what the former Clemson offensive coordinator had to say. Uh, there's no there's no chapter on a situation like this. I'm just trying to figure out step by step how to be strong for these young men. I'm really relying on my my faith, the foundation that I have there to use that to inspire me. Um, more from Tony Elliott. The best uh, coping mechanism for me is the is the young men having a chance to be around them and to and to see them and to to see their pain to see their hurt uh, just inspires me to to keep pushing forward every single day. Okay, so we're learning a little bit more about the tragic deaths of three people, three Virginia football players, because Christopher Darnell Jones, the suspected gunman, was arraigned um, yesterday. A witness who was on the bus, which was returning from a class field trip to Washington, D.C. Oh, my goodness. Which is, I, did you ever take any field trips in college? No. Yeah, that's, my, my son is doing it all the time. Like, he's in North Carolina right now. He went to D.C. last week. This, I never went on a class field trip with any of my college classes. Um, but anyway, I, that's neither here nor there. But they were returning from a class field trip. They told police that Jones shot and killed the Cavs receiver Devin Chandler while he was sleeping. Details of the witness statement were shared. Quote, the information we had from a witness, Jones, who participated in a hearing, said little other than he wanted to hire his own attorney and was employed at the time of the shooting. He's being held without bond. So Slaughtered somebody while they were sleeping. Gosh. That's, but that's really the only... That's about as dark as it gets. That's it. That's the only kind of note that you had, that he basically aimed at people and... 
I don't understand. So was he on the field trip then too? I, that's all I have from this. He's got right to. Now. He had, he had to, to have been, been right? right. Said he was aiming at people and not shooting a handgun randomly on a charter bus. So whenever you see like, oh, these mass shootings, no, no, this was a dude who had planned to kill these five people. Yeah. Yeah. So a terrible story out of Virginia. We'll continue to try to understand. I will never understand the why. Seems it. seems maybe though it was premeditated. Oh, though. absolutely. That's what it seems like right now. All right. Um. Really, no smooth way to segue, but big story number four. Number four. And what a win last night for Oklahoma Sooner men's basketball. Now I know. I know what you're saying. We're not going to get too carried away with a dub over North Carolina Wilmington. But in the end, this was a team that had played pretty well in its opening game this season. Sooners won at 74-53, so they dominated them. They they were up 34 or 37-21 at the half. A lot of double-figure scoring. Uh, you had 11 points from C.J. Nolan, 15 from Grant Scherfeld. Joe Bamseal had 15 points as well as the Sooners dominated in every way, shape, or form. They get South Alabama coming up on Friday night. Meanwhile, the comeback was on in Provo, where the OU women's basketball team beat BYU 77-66. to Sooners were led by 21 from Maddie Williams. Nevaeh Tott brought 18. They've been starting the four guards. Uh, Taylor Robertson, Maddie Williams, Ana Yanusa, Nevaeh Tott, and then Liz Scott's been their power forward. Uh, had a lot of questions about Kelby Washington, and Kelby had actually tweeted a while back that um, it it seems to be an injury issue more than anything else. But from from what I've been able to to derive, it's not one of those where hey, she's not coming back or anything of that nature. I mean, she's still constantly you know tweeting and retweeting retweeting stuff from. The basketball accounts, that's a good sign. But from what I understood is it's going to be – it's she's just battling through some injury things. That That's my understanding. Now, have I dug as deep as probably I need to? No. But I'm not slated to go with women's basketball on a trip until January. So there's that. All right, big story number three. Number three. <laughs> women's basketball, by the way, back in action tonight against Utah. So fun matchup. It'll be on the Pac-12 network, but of course – on our flagship locally in Norman and the Norman area on 1499.3 FM. So if you can't get to your TV or you're like me and you don't have the Pac-12 network, OU versus Utah tonight, right here for those of you listening in Norman. It was a good night last night for college basketball. So we, we, we have at least two highlights to play, including Kansas and standout Rock star freshman Grady Dick. Working on Grady Dick. Dribbled it off his foot, and Kansas has it. An outlet pass from Wilson to Dick. Scooped it into the corner from McCuller. Back for a Grady Dick. Three on the right. He swirls it home, and Kansas has the lead. 69-64. The Jayhawks beat Duke last night. And then in the early game, it went overtime. And then another overtime before Michigan State hammered it home. Now they'll send the double at him. 13 to shoot. Gives it up to Hauser, 10 to shoot. Right back to Walker. Walker on the drive. Floats it up top to Sissoko, who jackhammers one. Whoa. 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 (laughs) 
Howard Stern listeners get a little bit concerned when you start talking about the jackhammer. Indeed. Um, Save your penetration jokes, but gosh. Grady Dick is going to be a ball player. 86-77, Michigan State won in double overtime. By the way, both of those calls courtesy of the Westwood One Radio Network. And as has typified the college basketball slate, we had a lot of interesting near upsets and one ups at UNLV. Beats top 20 Dayton last night. Um, Alabama was pushed in the second half by South Alabama, who's coming here on Friday. I mean, this this is crazy. TCU got beat last night. It's going to be a wild year in college hoops. Um, Big story, number two. Number two. Number two. So the four-team playoff rankings were released last night, and – Delayed. To the surprise, yeah, thanks to that double <laughs> overtime game. To the surprise of nobody, the top four stayed the same. Now, Boo Corrigan was asked, let's see. I gotta I'm make so sure. going to say Boo Weekly <laughs> again before the end of the year. Did you find out if he was still playing on the PGA Tour or not? I tried to, but the internet didn't want to cooperate. Uh, okay. Uh, there was a question about whether or not they thought about bumping – uh, TCU over Michigan. I think this is it. Hey, Boo. Thanks for doing this. Uh, to follow up on the first question, is it as simple to uh, say that Michigan's non-conference compared to Ohio State's non-conference is is that separator for you guys based on what you said before? I don't. We don't believe there's anything simple about it. We're, we're going to go through each week with a clean sheet, look at every team, continue to evaluate, continue to compare, uh, statistically continue to compare their schedules. But all that being said, the the strength of schedule is different as we look at it. Um, But, again, we're looking at so many different factors as opposed to just one. From a a protocol standpoint, we want to make sure we get it right, and that's why we landed where we did this week. Now, here's the question. Did you ever think about pushing TCU past Michigan? Look at, we looked at all four of them, Heather, as we're going through the process multiple times. Uh, everyone was really impressed with the defense of TCU um, against Texas and, and really giving up a field goal from a defensive standpoint. Um, and each time we went through the process, we came up with, Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, and TCU 4. So, in other words, yeah, no, we didn't think that hard about it. But, you know, it's two fascinating things. I mean, it. listen, we wipe the slate clean every single week. And whether or not you believe it or not, that's what they do. And maybe I should rephrase that. Whether or not you think that it's the right thing or not, that's what they do. I still stand by that I think you have nine teams that are alive for a potential four-team playoff berth, but that's not to say I think North Carolina has a shot, just to be clear. I don't believe, Josh, that Clemson would get that nod over USC or even maybe Tennessee if they had one loss. Unless they just dominate. Right, really. I mean, we're sitting here. This is November 16th, 2022, our Lord and Savior. Things could change between now and then. I don't agree with this from Heather Dinich. I don't agree with this at all. What is uh, – I think this is wrong. USC beating UCLA could screw up everything for the SEC. No, it won't because USC could lose next week to Notre Dame, and then they're out. 
USC. <laughs> I, I, I also just, don't think that that win alone is enough to propel USC in front of necessarily anybody. No, it's not. It doesn't screw up anything. And even if it does, it's temporary. That's the dumbest thing I think I've ever heard from an expert in this situation. I need a thorough explanation about how that screws up anything for the SEC. You know what screws up something for the SEC? Tennessee losing this week to South Carolina. Or Vanderbilt. Right. That's it. That's the only thing that screws up the SEC. But, you know, it would. I could say that because that would hammer home my USC controls its own destiny argument that I would have. UNHD. Agree. But in the end, oh, it screws it up for the – if I'm Mike Greenberg, my first response is, and I just happen to have get up on one of the two TVs in here, is what if they lose to Notre Dame? How does that screw it up then? As long as the SEC stays winning, there's nothing that could happen this Saturday that ru- outside of LSU and Tennessee losing that would ruin anything for the SEC. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I guess, and I've thought, seen a lot of dumb stuff today. I guess her thought process is they win that game, USC does, and maybe they'll leapfrog both LSU and Tennessee. Like I said, it's only temporary. It would, it would only be temporary. And probably what her follow-up comments, without hearing them right here, are is they've got another chance to pick up another good win versus Notre Dame plus the Pac-12 championship game. But to say it's like disaster for the SEC, I don't get that. I don't get that at all. There we go. All right, big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. You know, know, a better thing than that would say it's disaster for Clemson. I think that's where the disaster is. I don't think it would be for the SEC. I think it would doom Clemson. The SEC is, at the very least, getting one team in. I don't know how that's a disaster. At the very least, they could get – they're going to get one in. In in a pretty legitimate shot – to and get both to. Georgia and Tennessee. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's talk about big story number one. Brent Venables in-depth on the matchup against Oklahoma State this Saturday and sharing some battle of memories that we'll get to right here on The Rest. Worried about the doom of the SEC this weekend, Josh, if UCLA happens to lose to USC. I know. It's I, all over. I don't know if they'll be able to overcome that. I, I know. Think- it's it's going to be a real roadblock to Georgia's second straight national championship. <laughs> Uh, big story number one is, of course, focusing on Bedlam as OU gets set for OSU. Now, uh, last week, we all know that Brent Venables kind of got a kick out of not having one single question asked about OSU. But one man this week grabbed that baton and said, I'll ask a question about the opposition. While reminding Coach that no one asked him last week, So James Hale picked up that baton, fought through the fear, and said, Coach, your thoughts on Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah, they've been, uh, again, uh, I got some good stuff on them. You all already know. uh, But, no, um, you know, they're Spencer Sanders. uh, I think this is between, I think he started 52-ish or so games in high school as a quarterback. And then he, this is his 41st start, I think, in college. He might be, I bet he's a top tenner for sure, right? Uh, can I say that, top tenner? Top, huh? I can if I want, but it's not really appropriate. So top ten, you know, who has 90-some starts as a, as a quarterback? Incredibly experienced. He's a winner, you know. 
Uh, he's instinctive. He's fast. He's explosive. Got a quick release. Uh, he's, you can tell he's played. He's got a lot of moxie. You can tell he's played uh, a lot of football. The, the team rallies behind him, plays off of uh, his leadership and his energy. You know, sometimes the worst thing you can do is cover everybody uh, because he can he can really run and he's a true dual threat guy. They've got you know designed quarterback runs for him, but they do a good job of moving the launch point and but he makes all the throws. Really uh, excellent player. Uh, you know they're averaging 35 points a game and uh, you know top 25 in scoring. Uh, and again, he he leads the Big 12 in in total offense. So number one top guy. So um, 290 yards a game. He's completing 60% of his passes. He's you know all Big 12 returner. Two wins shy of the school record for the most victories as a starting quarterback. So I guess it means he. He beat Mike Gundy's record at some point in time, huh? So that's good. Uh, and then d- defensively, you know, they lead the Big 12 in in um, in, uh, in third down defense. Been really outstanding, and and they're 11th uh, in the country uh, in tackles for loss, you know, per game. So they've been disruptive. They've had success with a with um, had a tremendous year defensively last year. A lot of those same guys returning. You know they they do have confidence. I know they're banged up a little bit, but uh, you know top to bottom, I think they they have belief in what they do. And they're you know had a, a great win, forced five turnovers. You know against Iowa State last week. So uh, going to be a great challenge. This game's always you, you know you never know how it's going to go. Throw the records out as as we all know. Uh, I really like 20. Their running back runs downhill with purpose. Uh, they do a nice job in, in you know the run game with him as well. I know he's a, an Oklahoma kid, and they've got more Oklahoma guys on their roster than we do, and by a long ways. And that's something that I, I I recognized when I first got the job, you know, 11 and a half months ago. You know, the the depth of the of the and, and they you know play for the Big 12 championship and beat us a year ago. Uh, you know, with a roster that looks like that. So uh, that's, you know, uh, a credit to them, finding guys and, and developing them. And, and uh, they've, they've done a great job, you know. They, they beat Texas, you know. They had TCU down 28-7. Was it 28-nothing? They, they had it's 28-7 at one time. And TCU uh, had a crazy comeback, you know, in the second half. So two of the best teams uh, this season anyway in the conference and then uh, you know, uh, you know, again, you lose your starting quarterback. It's tough, you know. And I think they, and had some other injuries as well, and went through a little rough patch, but got a really good win against a really, you know, disciplined team in Iowa State, you know, last week. So it's going to be a great challenge for us. Did Coach leave out the fact that they got smoked in back-to-back games, or we just all kind of? Is that part of the Lou Holtz side of Coach Venables? We're going to make sure we build up the opponent. Got to build up the opponent. Find me a team that gave up 90 points in two weeks and is still ranked in the college football playoff poll. I'll wait. Oh, I'm sorry. Is it 89 points? I just – Spencer Sanders isn't 100%. Not even close. But the dude is a warrior. If Oklahoma can get the pressure on Spencer Sanders that Iowa State did, if they can get a tenth of the pressure that – not Kansas. Yeah, uh, TCU did. He didn't play the Kansas State game, right? 
Um, I, I get my purples confused, Josh. Then OU should win this game handily. But what's been the problem? In those moments where Oklahoma has a chance to win games handily, what have they done? They haven't taken advantage of it, right? It didn't happen. <laughs> Sorry. It didn't happen against West Virginia this past week. It, it didn't happen against Iowa State. didn't happen against Baylor. You had opportunities to create separation in both of those games. You couldn't do it. But anyway, I just – I like OSU a lot. I just think that they are a team that – that Texas win – I talked to Robert Allen about this. That Texas win, it – it really, it was everything. Nine, 90% of teams probably lose that game to Texas with the injuries that OSU had. And it's a credit to Mike Gundy and what they've done as a program. But I will say, Josh, it's a team you should beat. I know. But they're 7-3 and three and you're 5-5. Five and five. Understood. They beat Texas and you gave up 49 to them. Understood. Coming to your place. Sanders is hobbled. They are beat up injury-wise. And unfortunately, I don't think they're getting any of their guys back. I've got to dig a little deeper on that. But do we put – this is must-win, I think, unless we want to have meltdowns the entire offseason. Sooner's got to put some positivity on the board heading down the stretch. No doubt. And, look, just given where this Oklahoma team is at right now, do you want to head to Lubbock, Texas, needing that game to go to a bowl game? No. No, not at all. And yet, if Oklahoma wins this week, all of a sudden you start feeling like, okay, well, you've got a chance to go win in Lubbock and finish 7-5. and five, But it, if they lose this week, I don't know how you could feel any sort of confident they're going to Texas Tech and winning. So, no, it's look, it's massive. It's massive. I'll be curious to see. I was going through some of these drive charts here. Obviously, Sanders came in late uh, to – Give them the chance to rally back and score the final 10 points and, and beat Iowa State. We know that. Came in and played hero uh, hero ball late to to win it in uh, relief for Oklahoma State. It did so, and he's not healthy, right? And we know that he's not going to be healthy this week. What has been one of the kryptonites for Oklahoma, Plank? Quarterback run game. That's right. And how comfortable. Whoa, we didn't even plan that. Let's go. How comfortable is Oklahoma State going to be? Designed quarterback runs with Spencer Sanders. How much did you? How much did they use? They didn't use it too terribly much. Against he ran Iowa. three times, right, for six yards. And I, okay. I was going through here to see if you know one of them was a sack or. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, that's run for six yards. There's one. Which you know, whatever I can do that. Well, <laughs> when we we'll, take a we'll go through the, exactly. We'll take a break and hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line. But I was on a show this morning, and they asked me one of the keys, and I, I don't think any Oklahoma State fan would argue with me or fight with me that their traditional run game has not been good, right? Dominic Richardson hasn't, and I don't even blame him. I, I say his name, and like, ah, he hasn't had a lot of help. Their offensive line has had problems. But there's been moments, kind of like with OU, there's been those moments and flashes where you're like, ah, look out. OSU needs more consistent moments, but where I find them most dangerous is in that non-traditional run game when – when you're dealing with you're dealing with Spencer Sanders, and then how careful do do you need to be if you're OSU to not risk him getting hurt? Well, and if you're trying to win this game, probably some designed quarterback run not going to be the worst idea. 
By the way, this is a good question. Uh, Eric, I, I'm not doing this. I'm not getting caught up in the text before the break because it's already 1135. Because <laughs> I just – one popped up. So, by you, the way – You could read it, and then we'll hit it when we come back. How about that? Is Sanders that hurt or is a little possum going on? He has been waiting on this game. Good question. Let's answer it next right here on The Ref. All right, let's – staying on focus. I'm staying grounded here. Someone uh, – I don't know what the next round is, but they they had a they had a guy that's like I, everyone's talking about him. Many different places now. Dabo's people have reached out to Auburn, and I'm like, I where are these places outside of a message board that it's that it's going around? What legitimate source is telling you any of this? Well, and Dabo's an Alabama guy, right? I mean, does he really want to go? Guys, directly, I, I get that Alabama's sort of the big obstacle for everybody in college football right now, but because of his history, does he really want to go beyond, you know, the, the back doorstep trying to beat Big Brother every, uh, every single season in the same league? Why would Dabo Sweeney ever leave Clemson? I don't know. I mean, he's built an institution. He is Clemson. He's Clemson. He's, he's, he's set. They'll do whatever he says. And they should. And at this point, you know, look, there's nothing about Auburn that's a better job than Clemson. Nothing. Not a thing. You know you know what I'm starting to think about? I'm starting to think Mark Stoops to Auburn would be interesting. Is Mark Stoops ceiling at Kentucky. I think Cadillac Williams is doing a good job of making a case to be their full-time guy with what he's done. I think Deion Sanders would be fascinating to Auburn. But Tebow's not... The only place that I could see Dabo Sweeney leaving Clemson for is like the Dallas Cowboys or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Or Alabama. Or maybe Alabama. But he's able to get whomever he wants. They they don't fight him. He gets whatever he needs. He's not having to sell people on what he needs facilities-wise or budget-wise. Why would he ever go anywhere? Stop it. All right. um, It would be pretty awesome, though, (laughs) if they (laughs) – if they were able to do that, it would be uh, exciting. All right. Now, I mentioned the text from the 405 before the break. Is Sanders that hurt or is a little possum going on? Um, are we still okay? Is there a group of possums that get offended if we say, are they playing possum? Or are we okay to say that? I mean, I did see a dead possum in my neighborhood last week, so I don't want to offend any other possums. With peace and love. With peace and love, is he playing possum? No, I think he's hurt. I don't think he misses the Kansas State game if he's not 100%. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he misses any of this. Yeah, no, he is. he's hurt. And it's just a matter of how close they can get his body back to where it needs to be. Now, he looked really good when he came in against Iowa State. But in the same vein, I think if, if, you, if you make as many mistakes as Oklahoma State made offensively against Iowa State – then you would hope that you'd be down as an opponent for touchdowns. I mean, you would hope that you'd be able to do something that Hunter Deckers has proven he can't do. Stop it. So, I, I, he's going to play. He's not 100%. It's, you know, depending on what you believe, it's either a shoulder injury or a clavicle, a near-fractured clavicle. Uh, he's battled an ankle injury earlier this year. And and in all of it, in all of it, Josh, we he still got a chance to come back next year. So 
I don't think he's playing possum. I think he's legitimately hurt. I think this is something that if it wasn't Oklahoma, he probably would not be starting Saturday either. Well, and if the backup quarterbacks had played good, he might not be playing. Well, you're right. I mean, if if it had gone well for either of the guys that have played over there, then probably probably they wouldn't be playing him. Unless he just came in and, you know, really campaigned for it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, listen, this is a guy that has has started from the moment he stepped on campus, right? He stepped on campus and he was the starter. And probably, I, I agree, maybe one of his best games was his first ever Against start. Against Oregon State? Against Oregon State. Yeah, he was so good that He was night. amazing. Um, But, yeah, I, he's, he's going to try to go. How good he is, uh, we'll find out. I, I don't know what to expect crowd-wise. I haven't heard I haven't heard too many people that have talked about selling their tickets or getting rid of them. I don't I don't necessarily think there is a lot of people that are tapping out knowing that it's a primetime game or that it's going to be cold. But yeah, not 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 good. Not good. Um big bad wolf rights. What's that? What'd you see? Just this text from Ardmore Sooner. Sorry, go oh, ahead. Okay. Uh, Big Bad Wolf writes, I hate being a Sooner fan because I share the same love for the team as the fans, but I don't share the same love for our fans as I do the team. We're <laughs> never happy. We all share. I mean, listen, that's part of being a fan, right? There's going to be that, oh, I just, this clicked. This just hit. Being a fan of a fan base is is very, very political. You got your, like, far right and you've got your far left and somewhere in the middle come you like you've got be your, careful which side you've assessed to far left and far right i'm gonna give it to you you ready here we go the far right are the true believers that there is some sort of conspiracy thing going on here <laughs> that would lead you to believe that everything um Everything is against OU. The Big 12's out to get us. Big 12's out to get them. That far, far left, um, we haven't done enough to play the freshman because we're not inclusive enough. I don't know. I, anyway, but, no, you're right. <laughs> you're right. It's just there is there is like this – you you talked about it all day – well, a lot yesterday. This infighting is just going to be insane this offseason. Yeah, there's, there's no it, – it's always there, and I'm sure it's always there with every fan base, but when – Things don't go well. Right. That gets wildly pronounced. And there's always been those two factions of OU fan, which is, hey, I'm going to be very, very positive. And because of the expectation that is the beast, the monster of Oklahoma football, at times unreasonable, can we say? Expectations? I mean, I'm not saying adjust your expectations. Ding, ding, ding. Well, you kind of did yesterday. You warned anyone that if they're thinking 10 wins next season, they're way off. Oh, well, there's no doubt. Yeah. (laughs) If you're expecting that, then look, I got bad news for you. I got some oceanfront property. Can can I just tell you right now? They are. And you know why? Because you know what Kirby Smart did in his first season? Stunk. Seven and five. Do you know what he did in his second season? He almost won the whole dang thing. That's right. Uh, Zach writes, it's not possible for the same people in committee to objectively look at the teams with a clean slate each week. Oh, my gosh. I, Boo Carrington is stuck with a lose-lose job, right? You've got to go out there and you've got to act like everyone was on the same page. 
I just wish there would be this moment where we all accept, hey, we're not all on the same page. And guess what? It's fine. It's going to – it's life. But this idea that, nope, everyone's 100% in agreement and and we all – we're all good. It's not the case. That would be cool have three different committees. All right, here's here's committee one for week one. Here's Because if you're truly looking at it with a clean slate – well, that means you're not taking into consideration anything you talked about the week before. We I really don't think that's true. We got to get these guys to ask better questions. Somebody just needed to ask Boo Corrigan straight up. You if Tim, Boo Weekly. That's I, my fault. I, I probably will before it's all said and done. Somebody just needs to ask him straight up, hey, it's really easy for you guys right now. Everybody's unbeaten, but that's about to change. Is Tennessee getting in if they win their next two? Boo, come on. Don't lie to us. Kelly. Do, do you hate Clemson? <laughs> Are you anti-Clemson and anti-USC? Your thoughts. Kelly and Beggs writes, I feel good about this OU team. Even though they're not getting results right now, I love the 2022 class, and I think we're bringing in the perfect guys for 23. Team cohesion seems good, and the young guys and coaches are optimistic. I'm going to trust them and enjoy the last three games. There you go. Yeah, and a win, a couple of wins would would help, right? Springboard this thing into uh, next season. The, the beginning, first two months of next year, gigantic. And by it, the way, Kelly's from Beggs, so he's been part of one of the greatest upsets in the history of ever and when so, Rejoice Christian lost to Beggs last week. So. so to remain positive, well, I guess they were on the good side of it. Huh? <laughs> that's Never, right. Just kidding. Yeah, that's he's just, just living on the high. Yeah, Unreal. Someone's, I, I completely forgot about Remember the Titans. Someone's blitz him all night long. That's exactly what Beggs did last week. All right, uh, 11.50. Let's put a wrap on this show next right here on the Home of Sooner. All right, I want to read one text that I thought was really good, and it's something that for some fans will fire you up. Sooner dot. Plank, what's your thoughts on BV's comments about OSU having more Oklahoma kids? My opinion on recruiting, this is just my opinion, I think you're going to see Brent Venables and this staff really, really drill deep on some Oklahoma kids. You've already seen it with Nate Roberts at Washington, who um, who got an offer, and I, I mistakenly said preferred walk-on offer. He's got, a, he's got an offer, and he's committed, essentially. And that's a Washington. That's a Washington warrior, by God. But you know they're going to drill deep on some of these guys that are seniors this year because he's. You just heard him go through it. He's Brent Venables and Bob Stoops have had so much success in the past with guys like that, and they've missed on some too, right? There's been some guys that were Oklahoma players that maybe were committed to Tulsa or OSU or Kansas State or somewhere, and they went and got them, and it just never worked out. But then they don't want to be looking at a situation where a guy that maybe they just evaluated a little bit further goes and is from our state and rocks whenever he was right there under their nose. And, I mean, Teddy can speak to it probably better than anyone, but, you know, the, the names that keep popping up when you think about some of the great Sooner teams are, are Oklahoma guys. Now, I'm not 
getting too carried away here. I know there's a certain faction that's like, you can win a championship with all Oklahoma guys. No, no, you gotta, you gotta go get those dogs from Texas and Louisiana and Ohio, Florida now, Los Angeles and the California state of California. But I think you're going to see a lot of guys get an opportunity from this state that maybe the previous staff wouldn't have drilled as deep on. I do think just on that subject. That's my thought, by the way. Agreed. Agreed. And we've already seen that. and We're going to continue to see it. I think there's a level of toughness that gets imbued in your program, too, when you take some of the lower, lower regarded guys. Right. And develop them into stars. Since I was uh, unfairly mad at John for his overtweeting on the Locked On account, Josh, do you want to give a quick promotion for what time you guys are rolling tonight? Well, uh, not live tonight. We'll, oh, we'll okay. tape. It's, you know, 4 o'clock, anywhere you get your – in the morning, anywhere you get your podcast, Whoa. it's there. Let's go. Locked On Sooners, greatest greatest podcast uh, Ever daily. in the history of mankind. All Thank right. You. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Hey, we'll you be too. at Cavens tomorrow. And Steel Man at Thune at Noon or X right here on the Rock.